How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Bucks, presented by Brewhoop.com. Frank Madden and Eric Name joining you, recording on a Sunday night after the Green Bay Packers have moved back ahead of the Milwaukee Bucks in the Wisconsin sports standings. Uh, Eric, a mixed emotions weekend. We just saw the Packers get a big win over the Seahawks. I don't know how many of our listeners even care about the Packers. Probably a lot of them, but uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, unfortunately, dropping two straight this weekend in... uh, um, disappointing fashion because they very easily could have won two games, but uh, they 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 refuse. They continue to not ever get blown out. It seems, but in a <laughs> lot of ways, that just sort of makes it more annoying when they lose. Yeah. Um. I mean, if you're a moral victory, silver lining type of person, they they're in games a lot, and it's been a while. Um, we were talking before we got we got on here about. Let's see, it's been 11 games, so since about the midway point of the season, since there's been a, a huge a huge loss for the Bucks, and that was against the Heat, 97, uh, 96, excuse me, 73 on November 17th. Uh, so it's been a while, um, but yeah, it it is, it's not a lot of fun to watch them lose large leads. Um, I would suggest just piling on to that large lead. Um, then you don't have to close close <laughs> games. Um, but I I would assume they've thought of that if I had a guess. Yeah, and I think we've seen this a few times. It's kind of interesting. I was looking at the Bucks stats, and in fourth quarters, the Bucks are actually the Bucks actually score more points per one hundred in fourth quarters overall than um you know than than over four quarters in general, which is feels kind of strange because you normally think of fourth quarters being slower and that would obviously be worse for a team like the Bucks, which which tends to be better in transition. Um, but the flip side of that is they have been very bad uh, scoring-wise in clutch situations, and we were looking this up. And in under five minutes, what is it, plus or minus five points, I think is, is how the NBA defines clutch. Um, I think their offense is something like 28th or something like that, which mm-hmm. um, is far below the, the 13th that they have. Um, overall, which you know, to me again is surprising that they're thirteenth overall in offense uh, in the NBA. Um, but by the same token, okay, if you can be thirteenth in offense over a full game, then then obviously it's it's pretty disappointing if you're you know twenty eighth or whatever they are um, in in clutch situations because obviously something that you are doing normally is uh, is breaking down and even. You know things you're doing in the fourth quarter, otherwise, um, are, are not holding up. And we've seen them have these long stretches. Um, well, you know, long by by you know late fourth quarter standards. Mm-hmm. Um, these stretches where they've had opportunities to really either close out games or they've been ahead. Um, I mean, both Atlanta and uh, Washington. I think they were up 96-93 um, against the Hawks and had the ball. I think 
Um, they were up uh, 195 with four and a half minutes left in Washington. And in both cases, um, the Hawks and Wizards went on runs of, I think I know the Wizards run went on an 11-0 run. I don't know what, what it was for the Hawks, but you know, kind of a similar deal basically mm-hmm. where they go from being down a possession to, uh, to being up by, I guess, comfortable standards for, for a close game um, late, and obviously they close it out. So on the one hand, the Bucks, you know, are competitive every night, but uh, they are letting winnable games slip away and um, kind of a combination of a lot of things, you know. I mean, we saw that also happened against the Spurs. We saw, you know, Jabari have a mismatch against Patty Mills and probably committed an offensive foul, doesn't get called, and then he just turns it over. Delavadova had a bad pass in that game. Giannis had a turnover when he had a one-on-one with LaMarcus Aldridge. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, what was it, in Atlanta? Was it against Atlanta where Giannis had a bad pass for Henson that, um, you know, I think when they were down, it might have been they were down like three or four or something like that. But, um, you know, it just kind of plays where you don't expect, you know, you, you really hope that they can make a play, and they just don't. Yeah. And we've obviously had, um, you know, I don't think there's any one guy last year. I know we talked about Chris Middleton. His numbers in the clutch were, were not good um, and the offense flowed through him. And I think you could kind of understand why he would be the number one option. But obviously, um, perhaps they were too predictable or whatever it might be. But they, you know, his numbers were not good in the clutch this year. It seems like much more of a by committee approach. And for whatever reason, different guys touching the ball. Um different kinds of looks and they obviously are not, are not, you know, paying them off and, and they're not winning games. And, you know, probably, you know, the, the, the extreme case is probably the Spurs game where Tladovic has a, a gorgeous look uh, at a winner and, uh, and can't get it. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, is, I don't know if there's a one solution here. Um, you know, we've talked about uh, Jabari Parker versus Giannis and, and how their skills maybe differ in late game situations, maybe, Late, you know, late in games versus um, if you only have a few seconds left. I think we've talked about how Jabari may be a guy that can get a, sh- a quick shot better than Giannis, but obviously you want to keep running your offense in general through Giannis. And um, you know, obviously the the results haven't been there so far, and uh, it's cost them some some very winnable games. And unfortunately, you know, the Bucks now at five hundred. Uh, they've lost some games against teams that that uh, may you know late in the season if they are still competitive and looking at a a playoff spot may come back to haunt them. Yeah, they uh, they're certainly struggling late in games, um, and it is. I guess it's a balance of two two different things. One, you're seeing Giannis and Jabari get these opportunities. That is undoubtedly a good thing. Um, that is something that everyone should be excited about. Um, and then also a positive, the Bucks are actually in close games against, uh, the last two have been against teams that are struggling, but they've been in close games against good teams. So they're not getting blown out by the, those teams. So, so that is good. But then the bad is that they're, they're struggling right now. Um, and, and that's not ideal. Uh, but I, I know, after games i've asked jason why why have you been unable to get over the hump um and any other variation of that that type of question and he's hit me a couple times with one word answer youth and that that's the extent of it the, the, the these are young guys that are trying to 
to finish games. And as frustrating as that answer is to get and to hear so often. And uh, I know the Bucks fans are generally, I, I, before the season talked about this, how often can you say own the future? And how often can you say, oh, they're a young team? Well, you can say that until they're not a young team anymore. Um, and I, there, I don't think there's a date on that. At some point, they will, they will have enough experience and they will understand how to close games. And if they don't understand it, well, then maybe they're not very good players. Um, so we'll get to that point somewhere. But if you're asking me for a timeline for when they're going to get there or when they'll stop being a young team, I don't really know. But I do know that the only way to get there is to actually experience these things and go through these things. And and we are seeing some of those struggles right now. And I don't know. It's It's been interesting to watch because I think one of their – one of their go-to looks has been uh, a Giannis Deli pick and roll or a Deli Giannis pick and roll. And uh, I think we were talking about this before we got on. One of the reasons to go to that is because you're actually getting mismatches in that, in that scenario, because you're going to have probably someone, probably someone who's six foot, two six foot three six foot four covering Delhi and someone that's taller covering Giannis and if you do a Giannis and John Henson pick and roll a Giannis and Jabari pick and roll um you're not gonna they're they'll just switch it and uh, late in games obviously teams are gonna be a little bit more willing to switch and and not give you that advantage so the Bucks go to that and we saw it the the other night where Delhi hits I don't even know, three baskets late in that game. Um, and they end up winning late because Delhi was able to do that. But then you see, well, the, the last one in Washington uh, on Saturday night and things don't go so well as Delhi is shooting runners from, God, what was it, the free throw line? Uh, so I, I don't know. I just can't. We talk about who should get the shots, and obviously we both think Giannis and Jabari. Okay. But then how do you create a good look out of it? I think that's where where it becomes a little bit more difficult. How do, how do you try to make it easy on those guys? And, and there, there's just not easy shots at the end of a tight game. That's just not going to happen. But how do you try to make it easier? And that becomes more difficult with where – both of their skill sets are right now because a lot of times in those situations as much as people don't like to see it iso rules the world (laughs) and you're gonna iso a guy that can probably get a jump shot off and uh hopefully he's a talented enough scorer that that can be a a high enough percentage shot but the bucks don't really have both jabari and Giannis aren't going to certainly Giannis isn't going to create that shot Jabari might but uh the results are still out on whether or not that's actually a good shot for him yeah it's interesting looking at clutch stats um I'm looking at their true shooting marks because it's you know kind of captures free throws and threes and all that other stuff um Giannis is at 54 percent in the clutch which is right around average in sort of the you know overall which is I'd say good in the clutch right I was I was kind of encouraged to see the number where it was below up you know below what he does normally in the rest of a game but mm-hmm. um a lot of guys obviously are, are well well below that in clutch situations where teams know what they're trying to do what is his turnover right it's only 15.9 percent which kind of surprised me it's not um okay it's not crazy high um but kind of looking over at, at at other guys um tony snell has not made a shot this season in a clutch situation 
Um, Greg Monroe's at 79% true shooting, so he's been great. But he obviously is often not in-gamed because they go to John Henson for defensive purposes. Jabari Parker, 52% true shooting, slightly, you know, a little below average, but um, was actually better than I kind of thought it would be, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so those guys have been okay. Um, you know, guys who've been clearly below average, Del Vadova has been been the guy is kind of the guy who sticks out most. Uh, only 30% true shooting in clutch situations. And I think what we saw against Portland and Atlanta was when he got into those pick and rolls with Giannis, the defense clearly told him, beat us <laughs> yeah <You know? laughs> definitely and against the blazers um he made a number of of big plays right and yeah. and helped close out that game and i joked that coffee was for closers and coffee was for deli that night <laughs> um but then i looked at i remember looking after the game at his shooting by quarter and it was like you know just a, a cliff sort of just falls off he's he's best in first quarters i think and just gets worse as the game goes on and and in fourth quarters he's really struggled um and we saw that against Atlanta. You know, Atlanta just sort of said, "Hey, you want to beat us? Beat us!" And uh, and obviously, uh, that was not the result they wanted. Malcolm Brogdon, forty three point six percent. And um, I know a couple of you asked me, like, "Well, why why would you take out Brogdon um, down the stretch?" You know, they, I think they took him out right around um, the time when the Bucks stopped scoring. <laughs> and you know, someone said, "Well, why why the hell is you know kid taking Brogdon out when he was playing well?" And it's like. Well, Brogdon isn't the starter, and he'd been out in since like the three thirty mark of the fourth of the third quarter. So that's just what they usually do, right? Is <laughs> yeah. they usually bring the starter back in, and um, obviously you can look at the numbers and say, well, Delvadova hasn't been good in fourth quarters. Um, you know, you should get Brogdon back in there. But um, but I, I do I do like what he does for for Giannis. I think his screening, and you know, we've obviously seen him make some plays for Giannis getting in the ball. Um, to finish out of pick and roll, but um, I think that's obviously something that that, that bears watching because certainly Delhi is not. Uh, <laughs> it's not like Delhi is some guy that you could never bench in the fourth quarter or something like that. And, and what we're seeing from Brogdon, I mean, he he hit three out of three threes against the Wizards. He's up to forty six point nine percent on threes this year. Mm, that's good, which is is you know uh, phenomenal. And and granted, you know, it's not like he's. I think um, you know. I think Steve Von Horn also mentioned how it, he gets nervous when he shoots off the dribble, and I totally agree with that. I think Brogdon also <laughs> yeah. settles for way too many kind of one-handed runners from like 15 feet out. It's like an epidemic among Bucks point guards. But well, I, I mean, it's not really like that's the type of players they are. They're not quick enough to actually right. quick or athletic enough to get to the to the rim for an easy one. Um, I get. I'm sorry to cut you off, but uh, one thing that I thought was interesting was all those people complaining. I I tried to talk to some of them about okay, well, it seems like Delhi is going to be part of the closing unit, and I, we were trying to talk about who may may move out of fourth quarter minutes. Why not small ball? And then someone said. Why not just put in Brogdon for Snell? Because Snell can't hit a jumper, and Brogdon can, and Brogdon seems to be able to defend. And I have to say, I don't hate that idea. Yeah, especially in games where Brogdon is is playing well, right? I mean, you yeah. could always you could always treat it like a game to game thing. And and there are some nights where Tony Snell has you know it, it does shoot okay, mm-hmm. and I think. I think the the thing that Tony Snell is going for him is that he's you know a bit bigger or a bit longer. He has more length, yeah. But not significantly, actually. I don't think he's a significantly longer in terms of wingspan. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but uh, I, I think that is a reasonable question to to ask why why not maybe just try to stretch Brogdon out maybe a little bit. Um, and certainly, you know, Snell's at this point in the season shooting 39% overall, 28% on threes. I mean, it's kind of funny because, you know, when he's shooting threes, like I, I don't mind when he's shooting threes. I feel like, I mean, he's a rhythm shooter. He's, you know, he generally has a pretty good idea of um, his limitations. And I think he had a costly turnover in the Washington Ugh, game. It but, was bad. He threw it yeah, right to Oubre. Yeah, but that was his first turnover in four games as well. Mm-hmm. So um, for a guy that is playing 30-plus minutes every night to turn it over once every four games or whatever it is, I mean, he's averaging 0.7 turnovers in 30 minutes a night. At least tells you he plays within himself. But, um, you know, that's the problem. He's He's just... You know, has not been able to shoot particularly well. He's a 35% career guy, so you, you hope that that number comes up, or 34%. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's certainly a possibility. And and the other flip side is that if you have Brogdon and Deli out there, then then it gives you, obviously, another ball handler. So with along with Giannis, you've got really three guys who can um, initiate offense. And and I don't know, would, would you also... I mean, you know, we've seen Henson, we've seen uh, Monroe. The Bucks have been, you know terrific with Monroe on the court he leads them in net rating this year um how do you feel about and obviously part of it's complicated because of when Monroe's comes in with the second unit Mm -hmm. if you want him closing games and you're fundamentally going to be stretching out his his run into you know a quarter plus straight of action um but would you think that that it could be advantageous to try to keep um Monroe in games later because obviously if the offense is grinding to a halt He's a much, much more valuable player than than Henson because of both his scoring and his passing. Yeah, and I, I guess it. I mean, it comes down to what it always comes down to is that you wish you could have some amalgamation of Henson, Monroe, and Plumley. Like you wish you could put all three of them together because uh, the the trio. I think who was in together? Uh, it was Toledovich and Monroe and. Maybe it, they had just brought in Delhi, but it was those three trying to guard John Wall, Pick and Rose, and it was just like, "There's no way this is gonna work." Like those those three fundamentally can't can't handle that. Um, so I, I it, and I guess it's tough because it does kind of depend on the way John Henson's playing that night. Like John had had I think what twelve points in the first half. He had his two blocks in the first half. I think he had three of his four rebounds in the first half. And he ends with 14 points, two blocks, four rebounds against the Wizards. So in the second half, he wasn't making much of an impact. And if you do stretch Monroe out, obviously he's going to play a longer stint. But in the end, he's probably only playing, what, 30 minutes on the night? Uh, it does seem it does seem like something he could do despite him having to play for, for a longer stretch of time. And I do think it's huge that another playmaker would be on the floor because uh, – Earlier this week, when we did the mailbag, you and I went on an extended rant about why Middleton is important and why you want Middleton around. And if you're curious why, you've seen why this week. Because it's really tough to create at the end of games. It's really difficult. And yes, I've seen the stats. I understand the stats. I know that when they went to Middleton last year, it didn't work out that well. I get it. But that was with a, I mean, a, a less prevalent Jabari Parker, a less aggressive Giannis. Like, if 
Chris Middleton is your third playmaker behind those two, or even if he's your second. Because really, a lot of these games, aside from the Nets game when they went to Jabari a lot in the Spurs game, Delhi's kind of been the second playmaker. And that's way overcasting Delhi in a role that everyone knows. Again, Delhi's been great, Delhi's fine, but asking him to do that much is never going to be good for your end of game offense. So it's just it's just not. There there are certain limitations to him as a player and he shouldn't be put in those roles. So if you have a guy like Middleton to do that, all right, you're great. Tony Snell can't do that. Tony Snell can, like you say, play within himself. So you have Snell who's supposed to play with himself, Delhi who would you would prefer could just play in himself. Like if he's your fourth playmaker on the floor, that's awesome. Like you're getting more playmaking on the floor than you need. But when he's your second, it's a problem. So, uh, I, it was a, again, really this entire week, I just couldn't help but think these are the games where having Chris Middleton around would be so incredibly useful because, because that's when it really matters. And I, I think a lot of the times we think, Oh, this is awesome. Yas is getting shots up. Tony Snell playing his role. And I guess Tony Snell just kind of stays out of the way. Like I, I think I think there's a difference, and I I have to credit Eric Benning for talking to me about this. But uh, I think there's there's kind of a difference between staying out of the way and like actually contributing, and, and there's there's a difference between complimenting and staying out of the way. And and that's what Tony Snell does. Like Tony Snell stays out of the way, stays in his lane. That's great. But Chris Middleton actively compliments these guys. He, he actually can help out while Tony Snell is just kind of subordinating. He's just in a subordinate role. He knows that he's not supposed to do anything more. Like that's why Chris Middleton is important because he actively compliments those other players. Yeah. So Tony Tony Snell, the numbers on him in clutch situations this year, he's 0 for 8 overall, 0 for 7 on threes, um, a minus 30 in 44 minutes, uh, which is the third highest minute total um, of any Bucks player. Uh, Parker is actually highest at 50 minutes. Uh, Delvadova at 49 minutes. Delvadova, 5 out of 20 from the field, 1 out of 8 on threes. Um, only 3 turnovers versus 8 assists in 49 minutes. So he's actually taking care of the ball mm-hmm. very well. Um, Giannis, 43 minutes. Interesting that he's only 4th on the team in minutes played in clutch situations, although I'm guessing that's uh, a relic of sort of some of these games where Jason Kidd has tried to stretch out his rest later into the game to try to kind of buy him more rest, yeah. which obviously, you know, is a whole other conversation. Like people obviously aren't, <laughs> aren't thrilled with, um, but interesting 43 minutes of Giannis in the clutch, 10 out of 22 from the field, 29 points, 12 rebounds, five assists, but six turnovers, two steals and six blocks though. So kind of interesting to see, um, you know, the kind of numbers that he has put up, um, and also kind of surprising that Jabari's a minus 18 and Giannis is a minus 24. That's like maybe the only only split that you can find where Jabari is isn't yeah. as bad or is uh is better than Giannis. And we know that the the plus minus numbers generally are not very kind to yet to Jabari, unfortunately, on this season. Um let's kind of look ahead. We've got uh, a game coming up here on Monday against the Toronto Raptors. Obviously, this is a game that the Bucs are not going to be favored to win. Um, most likely, I think, uh, I think number fire did a projection that said bucks were 
like nine had a nineteen percent chance to win. I think interestingly, I thought I saw something similar for the Washington game, and they only had like a twenty seven percent chance to win, which probably would surprise a lot of people because the Wizards haven't been good. But I think it just sort of underscores how hard it is for especially a team like the Bucks that has not obviously been a great road team uh how much they're not going to be favored to win road games and especially on a back-to-back um i mentioned in the preview on saturday the bucks uh on back-to-backs uh came into the game in washington oh out of three they had not scored more than 83 points in any of the three games they had lost by an average of like 16 or 17 points improvement (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah something like that um which i think is interesting because you know, early in the season with a young roster that hasn't had any injuries um, among the guys who are playing, there's really no excuse to come into games and just be blown out like that again. Especially when you consider it was against Detroit, uh, Miami, and Dallas. Uh, who was the other? And Dallas, yeah, exactly. So it wasn't you know it wasn't exactly a murderer's row here. Um, so certainly fair to say you know the coaching staff uh, is the, the whatever they were telling these guys. Um, heading into these games clearly that did not resonate and and players just did not show up in the way you would have hoped but um monday night not a back-to-back um but certainly a a difficult matchup against a team that they played very tough uh in milwaukee um had it into the final minute against the raptors in that game bucks went small were able to kind of get back into the game after being down a bit and Giannis was tremendous in the fourth quarter uh, of that game I think he had like 15 or 16 points. And we haven't really seen the small ball lineup much since then, which I know we had a question today. Um, I think, was it Justin Lakritz? Was that Justin's yep. last name? Um, about why we haven't seen that. So maybe just t- maybe we touch on that before we finish up here. Because um, I do think it's an interesting question um, about why we haven't seen the small lineup more. And well, I don't know, what's your what's your take, Eric? I know we kind of, I think, agreed on, on the, the high-level answer to that. Yeah, I mean, I think it simply comes down to the Bucks have a ton of dudes on this roster that they have to try to please with minutes. Um, and ma- maybe that's the wrong way to put it. They don't have to please anyone. They can play whoever they want. But if you're going to try to get through an 82-game season and try to keep guys okay in the locker room and keep the locker room okay, well, maybe shrinking down uh, a center rotation that is already contentious and uh, you're already DNP and a guy that's making double figures, um, maybe shrinking center minutes down from 48 to... 42 or 40 on a given night um oh sh- the one night they didn't, they didn't even play with the center for the whole fourth right uh so 36 minutes uh, that's that's not a good way to uh to please some of those guys and uh i think you said the numbers were what they're plus six still in like 52 minutes yeah plus six points for 100 like 114 scored 100 and seven or eight uh allowed so it's definitely a good look for them but i i do think ultimately it's just kind of a minutes crunch like that i don't think they're i don't think they're willing to shrink those center minutes even more and potentially piss off two centers on a given night instead of uh just the third one that's not playing yeah and part of the issue too i mean you know credit to michael beasley because beasley's played very well ironically he didn't do much and and played only five minutes uh, against Washington and it was Toledovich who came off the bench after um, and and came in early for uh, uh, Jabari 
Um, normally, it's been Beasley coming in for Giannis. This time, it was uh, Toledovic coming in for Jabari. And uh, he played v- extremely well, right? I mean, he was, I think he was like five out of six or something like that from three. Um, scored 25 points, was, you know, a threat as soon as he stepped inside uh, the uh, half court. And, I mean, we've, we've obviously been trying to manufacture ways to get Toledovich into games <laughs> all season. Um, we have. And I think if you go small, I mean, I think that's the guy that, that you are trying to go small um, with. Uh, yeah. Because he's obviously he's a pretty sturdy guy, so if the other team has you know a, a bigger guy, he you know he can at least sort of hold up um, you know on a, on the block. And to be honest, I mean here's the thing: like teams are not generally going to beat the Bucks with post ups anyway, just because they double so much. Yeah. Um, and we can argue, and I, I don't think the Bucks should should double as much as they do in the post. I mean, we you know it's pretty <laughs> well known that the post up is really not a super efficient play unless you double it and then. You know, the other team finds an open three-point shooter, yeah. um, which is kind of my my problem. I wish it was kind of more selective doubling, but uh, but I think if you're going to do that, then then you know, the really the big problem with not having a center is is rim protection slash rebounding. And obviously, if you are you know playing Giannis, and and there there's some ways you can keep him kind of closer to the basket, depending on who who he's guarding. So um, so yeah, I would I would love to be able to see kind of hints of that i think the interesting thing was they played that small lineup with Giannis and toledovic in part to get back into games when they were losing mm-hmm. and they really haven't been losing any games yeah i mean it's it's funny to say but the games that they've lost over the past two or three weeks have been the spurs game where they were winning the vast majority of the game it was the hawks game where they were winning by double digits for most of the game and it was the washington game which they were winning um, you know, by as many as five or six points in the fourth quarter. So, did you uh, did you see the graphic I tweeted out from? I think it's Ed Kupfer. Yeah, the Rockets. He's a Rockets uh, stats guy or analytics guy. Yeah, but uh, so he does a lot of different graphics and stuff like that, and he'll always do like the thirty team graphics. And yeah, uh, he did one this afternoon that was um, how often it was like color coded, and then it showed visually how often a team was up by 10 or more uh, from four to nine, how often they were in a close game and then how often the opposite. Uh, And the good was dark red. The kind of good was orange. Uh, The even was yellow and then blue for the other ones. And the bucks have to have, it it was over the last two weeks. Uh, So the bucks graph is like entirely red and orange and yellow. And then just very small blue. And it was like, damn, that is such a depressing graphic because obviously the Bucks had a ton of chances and uh, should have won some of these games and just couldn't close. And like you said, they're up double digits. And um, so, yeah, if you want to check it out, Ed Kupfer, uh, smart guy, uh, as Frank obviously hinted at there. Uh, but it's a, it's an interesting graphic and maybe a depressing one. But still, interesting is always good. So check that out. He's a smart follow. Yeah, and I just retweeted it. So yeah. uh, check my timeline at like 9 o'clock on Sunday night and you'll, you'll see what we're talking <laughs> about. But but yeah, it's 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 bad because cause the blue is when they're trailing and um, and it, it, sp- it, it makes a little spike at the very end of the fourth quarter, yeah. <laughs> which is when the Bucks have allowed these leads to uh, to disappear. So um, so in any case, I think it'll be interesting to watch. Um, you know, again, 
it seems like Toledovich, it seems like the rotations, kids' rotations are kind of settling down a bit. Um, you know, Jason Terry has kind of taken pretty much all of Rashad Vaughn's minutes. Vaughn did get in. Uh, was against Portland, I think. He got some random minutes uh, and didn't look like he belonged on the court, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so we'll be interested to see how the Bucks react and, uh, and bounce back or don't bounce back from, from, from obviously a lot, a couple losses that, uh, that clearly they wish they had. And, um, obviously, uh, the chance to put some breathing room between 500 and them, um, kind of went by the wayside. And I guess one of the interesting things too, is I had someone, I had someone ask me, I think at the halftime of the Atlanta game, okay, I haven't been paying a ton of attention, but I see people talking about the Bucks more, and I see that they're playing better. And who do you think in the Eastern Conference they can they can give a series to? Who do you think they could beat in a seven-game series? Um, are there teams that they absolutely couldn't? And when I was, I was going through it, I was trying to think, okay, Cavs, they're not beating in a seven-game series. I feel confident in that. And then after that, Obviously, you go to to some maybes, um, but I had said Boston is kind of scary, but we haven't seen the Bucks play them yet. Um, I said Charlotte is a team the Bucks have struggled with, but then Toronto was the team that I said that like, that's probably the other team that they won't beat. And I think they've lost four of the last five, so they lost three or four against. Uh, Toronto last year and it's just a team that gives them fits so if you're if you're trying to figure out where the Bucks are in the Eastern Conference like I think that's a Toronto's a good measuring stick game uh it's good to try to figure out how you play against them and if you can match up with them uh, they're just tough and that that home game that they had against them that 105-99 loss that was that was one definitely that I think they if you asked them, they think they should have won that one. Um, so we'll see if they can, if they can bring it again against Toronto, uh, tonight, Monday night, whatever. Um, we'll see if they can bring it in Toronto. Yeah. They've, they've had a bunch of very crooked, uh, score lines against the Raptors the last few seasons. And I think the fact that the Raptors are a team that, you know, has shot a lot of threes, uh, in recent years, um, has or, or at least it seems like they do against the Bucks. It just seems like Patrick Patterson and Luis Scola have just stretched them out and hit way too many corner threes. Uh, they'll come into this game, they're 12th in three pointers made, third in three point accuracy. So, obviously, you know, we've talked a lot about the Bucks three point defense being a potential red flag because it's been way better than it probably can sustain mm-hmm. um, and so that'll be interesting to watch. Um, but I mean, in that in that first game between those teams. I mean, Lowry, DeRosa, I mean, they hit some shots that were just like, <laughs> yeah. all right, you know, like you're, we're, you're not, yeah. You're all stars. Okay. We get defense, it. Defense, defense was there and it just, just didn't happen. So, um, I think it'll be, but as you said, I think it is a good measuring stick. Um, you know, they're 16 and seven, they're second in the East right now. And, um, obviously, as you said, it's a team that the Bucks have, um, you know, struggled against in recent years and the Bucks now three and five on the road. Uh, the Raptors are nine and four at home. Um, they score a ton of points, but by the same token, maybe um, maybe you know the Bucks are a team that is a little better equipped to to get into a track meet now than maybe they were uh, previously. So enjoy the game, everyone. 
we will be back to talk about it. I love that. I love it. What, what time does it start? It's got to be an early start because it's in Toronto, which I'm always a, a fan of. So 6.30 p.m. Central Time. Excellent. Okay. All right. Well, we'll be back. Um, we'll be bracing ourselves for a three-point barrage. But <laughs> a, at least Luis Scola is in Brooklyn now, so he can't he can't hurt us in a Raptors uniform. So <laughs> anyway, enjoy the game, guys, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. You've reached the high fashion hotline. Hi, my family's going to a tailgate, and I want our style to stand out from the crowd. Just go to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's got all the latest fall styles. Plus, during Old Navy's colossal sale, you'll save up to 50% off store-wide. Did you say up to 50% off? I did, so don't sit on the sidelines. Old Navy has the perfect pants from 19 bucks, stylish dresses from 15 bucks, and comfy tees for the family from just 6 bucks. right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. We're cheering for Old Navy. High fashion, Old Navy. Valid 10-2 to 10-10. Select styles only.